Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Uh, we are in 1 Samuel, and we're going to be looking at the subject of faith tonight. We're going to pick it up in verse 15. We'll backtrack just a couple verses to set some context. 1 Samuel 13. If you'd hold a place there and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, we'll bounce back uh, from there to 1 Samuel. So locate Ephesians chapter 6. I get a sense, I don't think I'm the only one, um, that there's some extra spiritual warfare going on. You get that sense? And I, I think that it's a constant reality for believers. But I also think that when we are advancing for the Lord, when we are doing some, taking some steps of faith, there's always going to be some opposition. And opposition and things that your faith needs to cross over and take on are not small things. They end up being very big things. This is the location that we've been looking at called Mikmash, and um, we're going to see some great faith tonight. We're going to see the faith of a man that if I asked you of all the Bible characters that you could think of, whose faith would you want to model your faith after? I would imagine that many of you would not name this gentleman. Um, Not because you don't know of him, but because he's just not the immediate person that you think of. You might think of the faith of a Daniel, or you might think of the faith of Stephen or Paul. But the man we're going to talk about tonight actually is Jonathan. And Jonathan's faith was incredible. In fact, this will be the second time in 1 Samuel that we'll see Jonathan take some incredible steps of faith. In Ephesians 6.16, this is what I wanted to point out to you. In looking at the seven pieces of armor, I include prayer as a piece of armor in Ephesians 6. This is Ephesians 6, uh, 16. It says, In addition to taking up the shield of faith, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish how many? All of the flaming missiles of the evil one. You have a shield of faith. Uh, I've written a book on this subject of the armor of God, and one thing I discovered about each piece of armor is that each piece is custom designed for the typical areas where the enemy attacks. And I've said this to you many times if you've been here. We have a belt of truth because our enemy is a liar. We have shoes of peace because he often tries to steal our peace. We have a helmet of salvation because he often attacks in the areas of ideas in our mind. And we have a shield of faith because the enemy attacks our faith. Have you noticed? He will often get us to question our faith or to maybe be low in faith. And when 
those times occur, the instruction from the Bible is that you've got something from God. It's called a shield. A shield's for protection. And with that shield, you can extinguish, not some, but all of the flaming missiles of the fiery arrows of the evil one, which then tells you something else. He's shooting at who? The saints all the time. And when you take up your shield of faith, and this indicates to me that you've got to do something. You've got to do something to bolster your faith. You've got to take the piece, which is not physical. It's a spiritual piece of armor. And when you take it up, you will be able to extinguish all, not some, but all of the fiery arrows of the evil one. They will extinguish into your shield. They will die right there. Instead of going into you... They will go into your shield. One writer that I read some years ago on a commentary on Ephesians said, your shield might look like a flaming porcupine, but at least they won't be sticking in you getting under your skin, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, we want the faith of a Jonathan tonight. Lord, I think my simple prayer tonight would be increase our faith. Um, The disciples said that to you, Lord, after you taught them about forgiveness. (laughs) And they, they said, Lord, increase our faith. That needs to be a constant prayer of a saint no matter how long we've been walking with you. Because the enemy does try to tear away at our faith. That's evident by this piece of armor that you've supplied Thank you that you are our shield. You, O Lord, are a shield about us. You're our glory. You're the lifter of our heads. You take um, those shots, if you will, so that we don't have to. You stand in front. You guard behind. Um, You are our shield. See, the armor of God, Lord, we realize is you. And that's what Jonathan realized on this battle day, this day of battle, that he had the strongest um, force in the universe on his side. And so he was able to step out against really some incredible odds. And Lord, that's what faith does. And it's not easy for us, Lord. We love to weigh things and measure them by human standards. And that's really not how you work. And it's taking us oftentimes a long time to realize how you work. But tonight, teach us a little bit more about faith, Lord. Uh, Our faith is in you. That's what makes it great faith, is great faith is in a great God who is able to save and deliver. And oftentimes you will reduce numbers and put us up against seas and rivers and giants so that we will know that the battle is the Lord's and that the credit and glory belongs to you alone. So tonight, Lord, we ask that you would increase our faith. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Who, by the way, is the author and perfecter of our faith, or finisher of our faith. So we're in 1 Samuel, as we pick up an Old Testament story, which will teach us about faith. And to backtrack just for a second, in 1 Samuel 13, 13, the uh, actions of Saul, Saul was the father of Jonathan. I mentioned Jonathan to you, and we'll get into him, his story in a second. 
um, Saul did not act in faith. As a matter of fact, I'll give you another word that starts with F. He was a fool. He acted foolishly. Have you ever noticed? I'm sure you have. That when you don't act in faith, you usually opposite, you usually end up doing the opposite, which is you end up acting like a fool. You do foolish things when you don't function in faith. And Samuel said to Saul, 1 Samuel 13, 13, you have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, 1 Samuel 13, 13, which he commanded you. Notice it was a commandment. It's repeated twice. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Those words, you have acted foolishly or as we see um, in this account, what have you done? Is reminiscent of some other Bible characters like Adam and Eve. Have you, Adam, where? It's not like God didn't know where he was, right? Adam, where are you? Have you eaten of the tree that I told you? The one tree? Well, Lord, yeah, there's the... The blame game, the woman you gave to me. Right? And we know how that goes down the line. But now your kingdom shall not endure. By the way, these blunders recorded in the Bible could include Cain. Um, what have you done? Your brother's uh, blood is crying to me from the ground. Uh, it could include Achan and his a dumb act of taking of the spoils when he wasn't supposed to. And even write down 1 Samuel 26, 21, where Saul would later say to David, I have played the fool and I have committed a serious error. And that seemed to be the constant story of Saul. He knew better, but he acted like a fool. By the way, to be foolish doesn't mean that you don't know better. In fact, we would argue that many foolish decisions are made despite the evidence we have. <laughs> you know that, right? We, we know better. That's why oftentimes we would call it a foolish act. But now your kingdom shall not endure. 14, the Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now, that would be a pretty bad day, wouldn't it? I mean, Saul blew it big time and now he gets this terrible news that he's done. It's going to take some time, but God is going to transition the throne to a man after his own heart. I read, I read one scholar who um, gave a take on this. He says this great statement that the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. What does this mean? He says this is about the place this man had in God's heart rather than the place God had in this man's heart, close quote. And even though I think that's an insightful statement, from God's perspective, I think David had a special place in God's heart. I think that's an incomplete statement. Because God had a special place in David's heart. And I think the two work together. In fact, 
If you hold a place in 1 Samuel and go to Acts 13, Paul is preaching at Pisidian Antioch. He's giving a sermon, and he's going to mention David, Acts 13, 20. And he's going to give us some insight. I believe that the Holy Spirit gives this to Paul. Uh, but this is born out in David's life. Acts 13, look at verse 20. And after these things, God gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Acts 13, 21. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. Acts 13, 22. And after he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my, my heart. And here's why I think it's a two-way street. Who will what? He will do all of my will. Now, we, we know, of course, that David made his mistakes and he was not perfect. But it was in his heart to do God's will. And a man or a woman, if you turn back to 1 Samuel uh, 13, who is a man or a woman after God's own heart, because we throw this around all the time in the church, right? I want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. What does that mean, really? I think Paul explains it. He says it's a man or a woman who wants to do all of God's will. Now, would to God that that would be true of all of us, right? That every day we want to do not some, but all of God's will. Well, that's what it means to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. I had the special privilege some years back of being able to give a message at an 18th birthday party of a fine young man who is part of this congregation and his family has moved down south now into the Temecula area. And his dad was going to do a, a manhood charge on his 18th birthday and he wanted to have several people speak into his life and give him a charge and he asked me, can you define what biblical, authentic manhood is and then give a charge to my son to live it out? And I was like, wow, really makes you think, right? So I, I started to pray, and I was thinking of all these Bible characters and all these things I could say. And ultimately, what I believe the Lord gave to my heart was Give, give this young man a charge that if he wants to know what biblical manhood looks like, it's found in David. It's a man who will do all of my will. And that's what I shared with this young man. I defined biblical manhood, and you could say womanhood as well, as a person who will do all of God's will. At least that's their deep desire to accomplish God's will. And then I charged this young man who, was, who is a fine young man to do just that. <clears throat> Everything in this world will come against you to live that out. You see, to do all of God's will is to live your faith. If you and I say that we're a Christian, and James tells us if you are a hearer of the word and you're not a doer, to just put it simply, you're a liar. You're self-deluded. Now look, we all fall short and we all make our mistakes, but I sat across the table from a few people just recently and I said, look, if we can't apply the word of God in this situation and we can't say the Bible says this and we're going to do this because that's what the Bible says, I just was blunt. I said, then we're liars. And we're just a bunch of liars. 
We know what the verses say. So if we are going to say that we are a servant of the Most High God, then that's what we need to do. Well, Samuel arose. This is verse 15, chapter 13, 1 Samuel. And he went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people who were present with him, about 600 men. Now, Saul's numbers have dropped, and he's concerned. Uh, Pastor Chris mentioned the number 3,000. Now we're down to 600, so uh, he's got about 20% of the original group. And the people, and this was Saul's concern, that he had, commi- he had uh, communicated to Samuel. He had said, I did what I did because the people were scattering. And what that means is that the people were defecting. The people were saying, we're not following you anymore, man. And indeed, we find out in this account that some people were going over to the Philistine camp because they saw that the Philistine numbers were better and why not be on the winning side? And so people were defecting to the Philistine camp because they didn't want to die and they didn't want to fight for Israel and they were losing confidence in Saul. And so men kept deserting. That's uh, chapter 13, verse 8. And there's a variant reading. If you have an ESV, it's more based upon the Septuagint. And uh, I'll just read a note for you. It says, in the ESV, the Hebrew text has only the italicized words, and that's what I've got here in front of me. The variation is because of the rest of verse 15, and the ESV is deduced from the Septuagint. Recent scholars take the longer text of the Septuagint as original. Samuel might have gone up from Gibeah, this is uh, one of the versions of Benjamin, because the southern route which leads from Gilgal to Gibeah was the only safe way to the territory of Benjamin now that the Philistine army had occupied the Michmash area. So there's a variant reading. Uh, One of them is correct. One's based upon the Hebrew Masoretic text. The other one's based upon the Septuagint, which is, remember, the Greek translation. There's a variant reading. One of them's correct. It doesn't really make that much of a difference. Now Saul and his son Jonathan and the people who were present with them were staying in Geba of Benjamin while the Philistines camped at Michmash. Now there's a couple of different arguments among scholars about the location, but basically what we have is we have two areas separated by a few miles. And they're visible from one another. How visible, we don't know for sure. But it's possible that you'd have spies and watchmen who would get a little closer to enemy territory and give reports. So really, it's not that big of a deal. But there were two areas separated by a deep ravine in a very rocky area. Sean, if you don't mind, you can just go ahead and uh, rotate them for me. There's just a few of them there. Hello? (laughs) Lord, is that you? It's an aerial shot of the Micmash area. Can you see? This is an aerial shot. Do you see how significant these areas are, how deep the ravines are, how difficult the climbing would be? Go on and go to the next one. Um, this is Giva from the south. There's a, a, there's a modern city there. And then go one more, Sean, if you would. These are the cliffs. This is going to have significance to you when you find out that Jonathan and his armor bearer apparently scaled some of these cliffs uh, to surprise the Philistine army. But the two are separated by these ravines and both have some pretty good view of one another 
And there's, there's some battle uh, lines being drawn. And, you know, Saul's down to 600 men. And then there's, there's huge numbers of the Philistines. And so he's nervous. He's wondering what he's going to do. And as the, either the watchmen are looking or Saul has a direct view, it says, and the raiders, uh, for you raider fans, this is the first mention of the Oakland raiders in the Bible. I have a friend who, who, when asked who his favorite football team is, responds, whoever's playing the Raiders. If you're a Raider fan, I apologize to you, but uh, anyway. And the Raiders, or the raiding parties, NIV, came from the camp of the Philistines in three companies. So as Israel's watching with this little reduced army, one company turned toward, you didn't know Oprah was mentioned in the Bible too, but there she is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oprah to the land of Shul. Um, I do know that Oprah has some roots in the Christian church, but she's embraced some pretty strange views, to say the least. Another company toward, turned toward Beth Haran, and another company turned toward the border which overlooks the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. So Saul and Jonathan, along with 600 men, are watching the Philistine base, and right across from them is the enemy, I'm sure within their sight, and they're watching raiding parties, companies of raiders going out. They're sending out uh, raiding parties to the north, to the west, and to the east. There's movement in the enemy camp, and when you start to look, you start to say, wow, we might want to do something. What should we do? A little further insight into the great victory that God will bring. It says, Now no blacksmith could be found in all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. So they took away all opportunity to have weapons. That's just a pregnant pause. All opportunity was taken away to have weapons. So all Israel went down to the Philistines, each to sharpen his plowshare, things for farming, his mattock, his axe, and his hoe. And the charge was two-thirds of a shekel for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, the axes, and to fix the hoes. So they had a, cornered the market. There was a monopoly for the Philistines to make all this money, but they wouldn't allow weapons. And so it came about on the day of battle that neither sword nor spear was found in the hands of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, now you find out a little bit more about this army. They didn't have any weapons. Or whatever weapons they had were makeshift weapons that weren't going to do much damage. And that's because the Philistines set it up that way. Isn't it convenient? When you can take away weapons from your enemy. The Bible is called the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the enemy wants to take the weapon away from you. He said, you don't need to read your Bible. You don't need to be consistently going to Bible study. You don't need to listen to sermons. You don't need that. And the Bible is called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The master swordsman, Jesus, pulled it out and said three times to the devil, it is written, it is written, it is written. And that word in Greek means it stands written forever. You're not going to argue against the word of God. When David takes on the uncircumcised Philistine a little later, we're going to see in this book, 
He says, and that all this assembly, 1747, may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. He said that to a pretty tall giant. And he was a little youth. And David and Jonathan are yoked together by the heart of faith. It's pretty cool when you can charge the hill with somebody who has the same faith as you have. So the victory belongs to the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. Have you met Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Can you say, God forbid, if you died tonight, you'd be in heaven? Do you know the correct answer to, if God asks you, why should I let you into heaven? Would you say, I think I'm a pretty good guy or girl? Or would you say, because I believe and I've trusted in your son's finished work on the cross, Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, I've repented of my sin and put my full trust in him. If you haven't done that before, can I encourage you with everything that's in my heart? Do it now. Trust in Jesus Christ now. Now is the day of salvation. If you need help with that, here's simply how you do it. You say, Jesus, come into my life. I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you, but I repent of that sin. And I, I want to follow you. Please save me. Rescue me. Cause me to be born again. Make me your child and I will follow you. Give me a new start and a new heart. If you need more help with that, if you've reached out to the Lord Jesus Christ today, maybe rededicated your life, we'd like to know. And uh, we'd love to know where, who you are, where you're listening, and what station you listen on. Reach out to us at livingtruthradio.org. Go to livingtruthradio.org. You can find out more about the ministry, the church behind this ministry, information and directions if you'd like to come and worship with us. All of the above is found at livingtruthradio.org. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Coach Chris Van Hook, who's been helping us teach through the book of 1 Samuel, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and we will catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Michael, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. And, you know, when we're doing radio, folks, um, it's a little hard to tell who's listening and we'd like to be able to uh, hear from our listening audience. And we're not asking for anything other than just drop us an email and let us know uh, if the program has been a blessing to you. We'd certainly like to hear from you. We're always looking how to best spend our stewardship dollars in terms of the ministry of radio. And so we, we'd like to know uh, how we're doing. And drop the email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. That's office at livingtruthcorona.org. Org. And just let us know who you are and if you've been listening, if the program's been a blessing to you. That would really help us out, and that would be a blessing to us just to hear from some of our radio listeners. So again, drop an email to office at livingtruthcorona.org.
org. Thank you so much for listening and praying for us and supporting us if you can. And we uh, are very appreciative of the body of Christ and pray that the Lord will bless you and your family.